pray, Lord, that you would use that time, that we'd be able to see how we can lift each other up, how we can serve one another, Lord, how we can come alongside the different people and the different ministries that are all here today, Lord, and what we can do, Lord, just to better serve you, Lord. So, Lord, I thank you, Lord. And I just ask for your Holy Spirit's presence just to be upon this message, Lord, as we dig into your word, as we learn just different aspects of who we are and who we're supposed to be as Christians, Lord, as followers of Jesus Christ, Lord, as regenerated people, Lord, as believers, Lord, just show us, Lord, and speak to us, Lord, and Lord, but it's more than that, Lord, equip us, Lord, through the power of your spirit, Lord, that we can be the people that you've called us to be, Lord. So, Lord, I praise you and I thank you for this time, Lord. Just bless our time as we dig into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, again, welcome everyone to Refuge. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and get them opened up. You're going to need them. We're definitely going to be in God's Word today in John chapter 13. As many of you have seen uh, the foot washing out there today, that should give you a little bit of a, a hint of what we are talking about today. Um, I was excited. You know, I actually will tell you, I've never done that before. Um, and I was, as I've been studying this passages, I was like, well, should I do it or should I not do it? And, you know, I think the Lord just spoke to me that it would, you know, it'd be something good to do. So I did that. And, you know, I'll tell you, in Western culture, that foot washing doesn't mean anything hardly. In Myanmar culture, that that's something. So it really, it really stands out here. It really is exactly almost similar to what Jesus would have done to the disciples and what foot washing would have been in Jesus' time in this culture. So it does have a different meaning here, that's for sure. So it's this last week we started really a new series, as most of you, some of you know, or a new chapter or really a new journey as we come along and we start studying the Bible. Now, what we see and it started last week is Jesus's public ministry has ended and it's a new chapter. And so in the next few months, we're going to get into and study about Jesus's death. We're going to study about the resurrection and this kind of starts, I mean, it started last week, but it's really starting here in John chapter 13. And it's going to continue all the way through John chapter 17. So you can imagine, we're going to spend some quite a bit of time in these passages, and we're going to walk with Jesus and walk with the disciples as he walks through this amazing time in his ministry. Um, so I'm excited to get into it. Now, I've been studying a lot, and today in John chapter 13, we're going to join in in the Last Supper, the Seder meal in the upper room. So as we get into these passages today, we just need a little bit of context to realize. You realize Jesus is taking this time right now, this last evening, and he's taking this time to spend it with those he was closest to. Jesus and the disciples, they're taking this time to have the Passover dinner. And we've studied a little bit. We know a little bit about that. Remember last week, I taught on this, that Jesus had sent... Peter and John, remember, he had sent them into Jerusalem to prepare the dinner. And it was kind of this crazy thing. They're like, remember, he said, hey, go into the city, look for this guy with a water jug. Then after you find the guy with the water jug, follow him, follow him to somebody, to his house, and then find the owner of the house and inform the owner of the house that you don't know that I'm ready to have dinner. So is the room ready, remember? It was kind of an amazing testimony to all of us of these disciples' faith. I, I was just amazed. Um, they, they went there, so they per, we saw it last year. They prepared the meal for the disciples and for Jesus to have. So now we're going to pick up the story today in John chapter 13. You know, this 
I, I still, last week I look at this. It's just amazing testimony of these two disciples and their obedience in faith to go and do this. And, I, you know, it's just amazing. So as we get into the text today, John chapter 13, just remember, it's, this is during the Passover meal. Um, and just right before we begin, let's just ask a few questions. You know, we, we saw the foot washing out there today. All of you are familiar with this story. You've read this story before. You're familiar with it, right? Um, so think about this as, before we even get going, is what does it mean symbolically when Jesus washed the disciples' feet? What does it mean? Think about that question. And what does it mean for us cause, to wash each other's feet, symbolically speaking? Think about that as we begin these passages and get into these passages. And also, as we start, think about what Jesus and what the disciples were thinking right now. I mean, they're at the Passover dinner, right? It's Passover time. They're in the city. They're in Jerusalem. What was on their minds as they were sitting around the table? What were they thinking? What about Jesus right now? He's at this Passover dinner. What was he thinking? What was on his mind? What was he feeling? Put yourself in this story there. Um, you know, he's, he's going to teach us a physical example. He's going to give us a, he's going to use this foot washing to teach us a, a very important lesson. But just think of what was going on during that time with the Passover. Jesus knew exactly what was going to take place. The disciples were probably hoping for something completely different, obviously. But just think about that as we begin. So let's everyone in their Bibles. John chapter 13. We're going to start in verse, the first three verses. Let's read them. Before Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything that and that he had come from God and we returned to God. You see, everything has changed now. Do you see that? Everything has changed. We just saw that in that passage. What changed? What has Jesus always said before? We're not going to look at the passages, but if you were to look in John chapter 2, verse 4, or chapter 7, verse 30, or John chapter 8, verse 20, we would see that each time that Jesus would say, my hour had not come, but now... What did Jesus say? But now his hour has came, has come. This is huge. This is only hours before Jesus' betrayal. His crucifixion is right just within the next day. As you look at these passages, just remember that all this is going on, and Jesus knew every single detail of what was going to take place. He already knew. Keep that in your mind as we get into this. He, As he's sitting there at the table getting ready to take Passover dinner, he knew about the betrayal that was going to happen. He knew about the arrest that was going to happen. He knew that the disciples would all turn from him. He knew the trial that he would face. He knew the beatings that was going to take place. He knew the humiliation that he would face. He knew the crucifixion that he would face. He knew that he was going to have our sins, past, present, and future, placed upon him, in turn separating him from the Father. He knew this was all going to take place. And he's sitting there with the disciples at the Passover meal. It's amazing, I think of this, that Jesus knew all these things. And I know 
he would have been thinking about it. Who, I mean, he would have, he knew what was going to take place. Yet, as we get into this packet, this, these passages, we see very, very clearly this wasn't what was going on. Jesus' focus was on the disciples and teaching them and equipping them with the things they would need once he was gone. That was his focus, his love for us, for the disciples. You know, this verse just tells us Jesus loves, loved us even as he faced knowing crucifixion. He focused on preparing the disciples, and his focus was on preparing us on how to live as Christians. I just love that when I think about that, because I'll tell you what, if, the, you know, just these last few days, you know, I, I just shared, I've dealt with my grandfather's death. And that's, I mean, it doesn't even compare to this in any which fashion, but it does, in some sense, my mind is not all there. When you walk through something like that, you're like, my mind, I, like, I can't gather my thoughts and I keep thinking about things with him. I think of my plans. I gotta fly there. I gotta think about all the things I'm gonna face when I get there with my family. My focus, when I was preparing this message, it was hard for me to keep focused because I kept going to these other things. And Jesus is facing having all of our sins placed upon him. It's not, we can't even possibly grasp that, I mean, what that would be to be, and him to be separated from God. And yet, he loved the disciples. He loved them to the end. And his focus, again, right up until the end, was to minister to the disciples. I just love that. It's just amazing. Uh, look at verse 2. Um, real quick, I mean, we see this. We're reminded. We're reminded about Judas. We talked about it last week. We read about how Judas had really he had sold his soul, as I put it. 30 pieces of silver. He'd rebelled against Jesus, just as Satan did. We're reminded of this. We read about it last week. Um, looking at verse 3, just look at that real quick before we move on. It's amazing as I see this authority. Uh, we could get it into a lot of details about this, but I just love to know that as we get into these passages and we see what's going on here, that Jesus had all authority from God, fully knowing, fully understanding that he was God. He knew this. The creation of everything that exists the ones that breathed life into each one of us. And yet, there he was, in love, choosing to give his life for each one of us. Just amazes me. It just Every time I read that, it just amazes me to think that. He had all authority. And in all of that authority, his decision was to give his life for each one of us. It's amazing to me. Let's read verses 4 and 5. So he got up from the table took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured out water into a basin. As he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. As I read this, I was reading these two verses, and I see it's interesting that John, the author of this, he gave so much detail on this. Do you see that? He's like, there's a lot of detail in it. Like, he got up. He got up from the table. He took off his robe. He wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into the basin. Then he began to wash. And then he then he dried them. I mean, there's a lot of little details there, right? I was like, that's the first when I saw this detail, I'm like, why didn't John just say Jesus got up and washed our feet? Why why all this detail? Why would John illustrate this in this fashion? I mean, it's not even really like John, I mean, to do that. And I was thinking like, you know, I don't know exactly. None of us know can read John's mind. But I think this impacted John so, it must have, it must have impacted him so greatly that he, when he wanted us as readers of the Bible, as readers of the scripture, 
to see this in our minds as he saw it, as he lived it out, as he watched it. He wanted us to read about it, but to be able to really have that image in our mind of what Jesus had done there. That's my only guess. Um, I think this maybe impacted John in such a way that he wanted us, he wanted to give us every detail of that moment so we also could maybe experience that in the same way. I, I'm just guessing because there's a lot of detail there. And I, I read a lot of comments. Nobody really said anything about the detail, um, but there's a lot of detail right there for no real reason that I can come up with. Besides, I'm just assuming that this is really something, John, just think about it detail by detail. As you can imagine yourself in that story, step by step, Jesus got up. He got up from the table. Just imagine that as that's playing through John's mind as he's writing this. I think this was just important to him. I can imagine everyone there. So this is a, many of you, you know, we see all the pictures of the Lord's Supper in the upper room, and like 90% of them are not biblically correct, right? I mean, we know, a lot of us kind of know that. Um, and I know I'm probably not going to be 100% on this either. I mean, I, we're, none of us were there. But the table, there's a fancy name for it. I can't remember it. But it's a U-shaped table. It's probably really what it was in Jesus' time. And in this U-shaped table, if you could imagine a big U-shape, and everybody would have been sitting on like pillows and mats, just similar to Myanmar in a way, then, but they would be laying there. And so you could imagine this U-shape, everyone laying there on their one side eating, right? So you imagine when Jesus would get up, all their feet would be in the back of them sticking out already. So just to give yourself, kind of help you with that picture, this wasn't like, hey, you know, got to move position. Their feet would have already been back there because they would have been laying down to enjoy this. So if you look at the Seder meal, and I've been studying a lot on this, and we don't know exactly how this took place. I'm going to, I'm going to give you that information first. Nobody knows exactly, but we do know how the Jewish people did celebrate the Seder meal or the Passover meal. And one of the first things they would do when they'd get ready to celebrate is there'd be a candle lighting. So they'd light the candles, then they would have the first cup, the leader of the home, in this case, this would have been Jesus. He would have taken this cup, and he would have raised the cup of wine, and he would have blessed it. And this would be the introduction or the preparing to take the Passover dinner. So if you look at this, John doesn't give descriptions of the dinner, right? He gives all sorts of descriptions about how Jesus washed feet and how Jesus served the people. But he doesn't give the details of the actual dinner, um, which is fine. The point isn't about the dinner. It's about Jesus washing the feet. But I think it's neat to look. So the candles are lit. They're all around this U-shaped table. Jesus has taken a cup, the first cup. He's blessed it. This is what would start the Passover dinner. Now, the next step, usually, after this one cup is blessed, is in the hand-washing ceremony would take place. And many of you probably have heard of this before. This is when every, the bowl of water, right, would go around the table. Everybody would wash their hands. And it was very symbolic, also hygienic, but very symbolic. So when you read this, and it says... In verse 4, so he got up from the table, and he, he got this wash, wash basin. Now, so when you uh, first read that, you think maybe that was odd. But actually, it, maybe it wasn't so odd, because this actually would have been when normally they would have got up and got a wash basin to pass around for everyone to wash their hands. We don't know exactly the chronological time order of how this worked, but it would have been pretty normal that this would have happened according to tradition, because the hand washing would have been part of the dinner. But this is where Jesus changed it up. Instead of passing it around and everybody washing their hands, he took the wash basin and went to everyone's feet and then starts to do a servant's job of watching, washing each of their feet. Very different from what would have, they would have been used to. So let's see. Let's see the disciples' reaction to this. This is not what they were expecting. Verses 6 through 9, let's see. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Simon Peter, 
Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well. Lord, not just my feet. We love Peter, don't we? We know Peter was outspoken, right? Well, I mean, Peter, is just, he, great, he makes great sermons. He really does. And many times he is always the person that has the, you know, a lot of times it's like we say, was that my outside voice or my inside voice? Because sometimes my, out vo- my outside voice says something that my, should have been inside. And Peter, I think he was all outside. So he's very outspoken. Many times he says out loud, he says out loud what others may have been already thinking, but held their tongues, right? Peter's always the one. Now, I'm sure all the disciples, by the time they got around to Peter, thought this was odd. Everyone would have thought, like, what is Jesus doing? This is strange. Nobody else is saying nothing. I'm sure they all felt the same. I mean, nobody felt any different. But Peter spoke up, right? It was always Peter. You can always, he's good, he's good for that, right? Now, I, I, the, I thought about it. Maybe he thought it was like a test. You know, I, I read one guy thought this. Maybe he thought it was a test. Should I let Jesus wash my feet or should I not wash my feet? Because, you know, they were competing still for a position, right? I mean, they, they, they still were wanting to be left right of the seat, like wondering who's going to get the highest position. So it's like, is this a test maybe? I don't know. We don't know what Peter was thinking, but should he let Peter's, should he let Jesus wash his feet or not? But look, look at verse seven. Look at his, Jesus's response to Peter. Look at verse seven. You don't understand now what am I doing, but someday you will. Now, Jesus is, we've seen Peter speak up a lot, right? In the scriptures. And we've seen Jesus speak up to Peter a lot, right? Usually kind of in a rebuke. Peter gets rebuked a lot. We learn a lot from Peter. But this time is a little bit different. He doesn't really get rebuked, but Jesus is more just explaining to him, you don't understand this, you don't get it, just let me do this. It wasn't the same, it wasn't even really like a rebuke. It's a little bit different, just you don't understand right now, but someday you will, let me do this. It's a different reaction from Jesus than you normally would see than Jesus would give Peter. Um, look at verse 8, Look at we're going to look at a, the response again in verse 8. Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Think about that. Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. What does that mean? What does it mean to us? I mean, he's speaking to Peter, but it's, it's really, this is written to all of us. This is applicable. This is exactly applicable to all of us. Think about that. Think about your answer as we continue. Now, seeing this answer from Peter, it's obvious that Peter did not completely understand what was going on. He didn't understand what Jesus was doing exactly. He didn't understand the symbolic, you know, ism to this and what was taking place. But I sure do love Peter's answer. I love his excitement. I love it. Then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, just not my feet. I love it. I mean, you know, maybe it wasn't way off there, but Peter's always, always, always opening his mouth. And sometimes we give him a really hard time, just as I have been, for speaking out and so boldly at times, right? We always give Peter a little, but, you know, I thought about this. we got to thank Peter because all the things so often that he says whenever he speaks out, because he says something when others don't, we got to learn some really neat lessons, don't we? <laughs> I, you know, we learn a lot of lessons as Jesus responds to Peter in his 
outspoken things. So we got to thank Peter for that. So let's let's read on and see what Jesus is going to say to Peter in verses 10 and 11. And keep thinking about that question I asked you. Jesus replied. Hey, which Peter? That's funny. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. This is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. We know this foot washing is symbolic. And as we look at this and we look at some of the meaning of it, we can see that unless Jesus, the symbolic, looking at Peter, the symbolic, unless Jesus washed away Peter's sins by the death on his cross, then Peter would not have a relationship with him. We know that's symbolic of the washing of sins, the washing of the feet. And unless Peter submitted to Jesus, allowing this washing, Peter would never learn the lessons of humility which Jesus had in store for him and how to serve the people. Now, I believe these are two reasons or two examples that we can see in this of the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach us, that the symbolicness of this washing. But if you look closely... You know, it's not just washing. There's actually two different words. And we can get into the Greek, but I can't even pronounce them. Um, but we see bathed and we see wash. And if you do look at the Greek, these are actually different words as they are in English. I don't know in Burmese. But if you look first, the first word is, is in verse 10. It says a person who has bathed all over. And then the second one you see is washed. Now, this is an important lesson. Because as we look at this bathing and this washing... This first cleaning we see here, this washing, it's speaking of when we are born again, this washing. It's it's complete. It's forever. When we are come to faith in Jesus Christ, when we submit our lives to Jesus, we accept what he's done on the cross, we have been cleansed for, from our sins. We are forever clean of that. Now, this second cleansing, though, it's talking about this second one, this washing, except for the feet. Now, this is, it's different. It's different. Because the way I, I look at this, if all of us came in today with dirty feet, right? And you got washed. I washed your feet. But so all of us as Christians, you got to look at this symbolically or spiritually as we talk through this. As we go out into the world, when you leave through these doors and you go out into the world and face everything, you know, as you go out there and you fulfill what God has called you to do, as you go out there and fulfill the purpose that God has called you, as you go out there and you share the gospel, you share the good news, as you do this, as you walk through these streets, as you walk through this world, you're going to pick up things. And in this case, we're using feet as an example, but you're going to pick up dirt. But as we go out spiritually, we're going to pick up other things, don't we? We pick up sometimes sin. We get things, we get dirty out there. As we have contact with the world around us and the people around us, we get dirty sometimes. We pick up things that we don't necessarily want to pick up, don't we? So, in this case, he's using this example. We must wash our feet of the filth that was on there. The filth that we pick up along the way as we walk through the world. And all of us do this. Um, it happens. Uh, another way, maybe, to explain it is Jesus is, he's teaching us and showing us by this example, because we are called to walk a holy walk as a Christian. We are called to live a holy life as a Christian. So once we're born again, we are a new creation. We are washed clean from all of our sins. We are forgiven, right? Again, that's that's just bathed all over. And Jesus did this for all of us, for each one of us. And anyone can receive this washing or this cleansing and having their sins forgiven just simply by coming to faith in Jesus and allowing this to come over us, to be bathed this way. 
But again, even now we are born again, we are redeemed, we are washed, we're still in a fallen world, right? That's where we live. We live in a fallen world. We're surrounded by sinful things. And we're surrounded by the effects of sin all around us. So we must know that as we walked out here, as we walk through this life, we will pick up sinful things. Just like dirt on our feet. That's what it is. It's not in us. But we'll pick up things. We'll come in contact with things. And, you know, as we pick up some of these things, if we have some of these things, um, as we deal with people, you know, if we have this, this can actually come between us and God in our relationship if we have sin in our life. This is why we must be washed. Okay, close to here. This is why we must be washed by the Word of God daily. Just like our feet was washed out there, we washed that filth off that we picked up along the world. As we walked around as Christians, we pick up little things. We must be washed by the Word of God daily and to get rid of all them things that we picked up as we walk around as Christians. You know, Jesus, in his wisdom, has he's given us his teaching. He's provided a means for each of us to be washed daily, to get rid of these things that we pick up, the sins of the world, the washing of our feet by the washing of the world. I've tried to explain this. Um, Jesus is going to explain a little more in verses 12 through 17, and we're going to still explain a little deeper, but let's read 12 through 17 first. Verse 12. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So Jesus now in this story, he's washed all of their feet. Now he's gone back to the table and he's taken his place at the head of the table. And he looks at all the disciples and he looks out, just like I tried to explain this. Now he's looking at the disciples. He's like, do you understand what I have done? Do you get it? Do you understand what I've done for you by washing your feet? And Jesus knew they didn't understand exactly. And they wouldn't understand it completely until later. But I thought about it. As I was thinking about this in the disciples, they, they, Jesus was trying to teach them and show them a very important lesson. And they would learn this lesson. It's apparent John has wrote this now that they understood it later and they got it. But I thought about that. Per, the best lessons I can think of in my life that I've learned, they came from situations that I didn't understand the time in the time what was going on. As I look back, the, the situations that God has placed me in, some of the ones that were the, the most uncomfortable, the most difficult, or I looked and there were just things going on that I didn't agree with, and there were things taking place that I didn't understand. I'm like, why have you put me in this situation, God? Why am I here? What am I doing? I don't understand. And I didn't understand at the time, but I, I knew when I was in them situations, I knew that God had put me there. I knew God had called me there. I knew that I was walking in his will even, but all the stuff around me, I just didn't get it. So I just knew that God had me there for a reason. So I knew I just had to have faith and I had to walk through whatever lesson God was trying to teach me. And I had to do it with as much grace as I could have. Cause usually when you're walking through something like that, it's very difficult. So I just had to use as much grace as I could come up with and walk through that lesson. And you know, I don't think the disciples grasped this at the time. I don't think they got it. But later is one of the greatest lessons they could ever learn. And 
I think that that's always so true in my life anyways. It's some of the greatest lessons I've ever learned. I didn't get it at the time. I didn't understand why he had done this, why God had placed me in this, why he was showing me these things. But later I did. So Jesus has given us his example. He's given this example to these passages not to just sit back, but to serve one another. And we see this shown here. I want to turn to James. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself and walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. We are challenged here in this passage, in others, and by Jesus foremost here, to take action, to do something, to serve one another. Turn back to John chapter 13. I want to read verse 16. John chapter 13, verse 16. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. This is a lesson that Jesus is trying to teach us all. We're all brothers and sisters together here. We're all children of God here. There's not one of, we're all called to serve each other. We're all called to lift up each other. No person is above one another here. In God's kingdom, we're all, we, if we were to follow these truths that we read here, we are to be serving each other. And then it says, it continues, if we will do these things, God will bless us for doing that. So, let's look at these last two verses. i got a big ending, though. Verses 18 through 20. I am not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but this fulfills the scripture that says, the only, the one who eats my food is turned against me. I tell you this beforehand so that when it happens, you will believe that I am the Messiah. I tell you the truth. Anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me. And anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. Jesus is taking a minute at the end, kind of end of this lesson. He's mentioning Judas. He's mentioning the one that's going to betray him. The reason he's doing it, because I think if he didn't mention it, this is they'd be like, wow, we didn't see this coming or didn't know what was going on maybe. But instead he's saying this, it builds our faith, knowing who Jesus is. He knew this was going to happen. He knew the whole time what Judas was going to do, and yet he washed Judas's feet. Judas was there. He washed Judas's feet, looking up at him, knowing exactly what he was going to do. He washed his feet. I find it amazing, just knowing this, that Jesus knew this, and he still served him. He knew the betrayal. He still served him. It's just amazing. What an example. I mean, this Christ-like example that Jesus sets is just, it's amazing to me. I mean, I don't know if I'll, I mean, I don't know if I could do it. To know that this is the very person that's going to betray me and to sit there and wash their feet and then to preach them. You know, Jesus is ending this teaching uh, in verse 20, reminding us again, if we say we serve Jesus, we will serve his people. It's pretty simple. As we close, I got a few, about four points I just really want to look at. After reading this passage, I thought, I thought of something. I wanted to look at the physical and the spiritual aspect of washing feet. 
you know, or hands. You can say hands. Um, but so how often should a person physically wash their hands or feet? Think about this. How often? What do you think? So I thought about this question, right? Because we can always take these physical examples here, and that's what Jesus is using, this physical feet-washing example, applying a deep spiritual truth to it, right? So how often should we wash our hands? Because that's just for us. Let's use hands. We can use feet, too, if you want. I mean, it's just as applicable. I think this would depend on one's environment, all right? How often should you wear? Um, what Or you could say, not just environment, what have you been exposed to would possibly determine how often you should wash your hands or feet. Some of you came in with shoes and socks. So when you get home, maybe you don't need to wash your feet because you had socks on. Some of you had sandals on, but maybe you just got into your car and just went straight home so you didn't get them dirty. But some of you are walking through the streets, so different environment, so maybe you need to wash them more than the other person. I don't know. I think our environment and what we're exposed to does determine how often we probably should wash. Um, I know if you just use the restroom, you should wash your hands, right? We can say that. Everyone agree? I hope so. Or if you've rode the bus here. If you rode the bus here and you're surrounded by all the people and all the people that's touched everything, as soon as you get here, you should go wash your hands and use some of that hand sanitizer back there for all of us, please, right? It's an environment, right? You've been surrounded by these people. Or maybe you've been around some sick people. They're around. Someone sneezes on you. I'm like, or like close to them. I'm going to go wash right away because I don't want to be sick. I don't want to get someone else to sick. Um, so we looked at this. The other, re- the other thing is a reason to wash or what would affect how often we should wash is what we're going to do. Right? So I know, like, I know some doctors, right? And so you'll watch them, and before they will come up to you and touch you and treat you, they will wash their hands. I like them kind of doctors. Because they know that they're going to be touching you, feeling you, being near you. So because of their doing that, they're going to wash your hands and help you, right? So if you're around other people, especially children, you're going to be close to them, you should wash your hands before you're around them, right? To not bring them something that they shouldn't have. If you're going to eat, we all know this. Wash your hands. If you're going to touch food and put it in your mouth, wash your hands beforehand, right? So we see these things, right? Uh, if you're going to bed, you should probably wash, especially your feet and your hands before you go to bed. Otherwise, you're taking that into your bed with you. It's gross. Don't want to do that. So looking at these different reasons for washing, I think we would agree on all of them, I would hope. Maybe some of you probably have some more reasons why we should even wash more often. Maybe some of you can come up with some. I know some of you, I learned something the other day. I watched one person, they would wash their hands, and then they would take the paper towel, and they would take the paper towel and dry their hands, and then I was like, oh, there's a trash can right over here You can use for your paper towel. I said, oh, no, 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 I use this to get the doorknob to open the door so I don't have to touch the door, then use my foot for the door, then I throw away the napkin before I go out. Some of you are smiling, Right? So there's lots of, right, you think about this, but we're talking about this physical washing, right? All the different things that we do and the nuances of it. So it's good to wash, right? Now, we, again, we talked about also what places have you been, right? This would be, this determined, right? If you've been on the bus, you've been around a bunch of people. If you've just been in your house by yourself and your house is clean, probably don't need to wash as much. But you go out on the bus, you go around people. What work have you been doing? What environments have you been around? Um, where have you been determines how much filth or dirt you may pick up. By the way, we can just take that right now and change that word to sin. Right? We can just change that right now to sin. Just think of it this way, spiritually speaking. Everything we just said, you can switch. So what would you be doing that 
around to others that would prompt you to wash. If you're going to minister to others, you need to wash. Yeah? If you're going to be fed, spiritually speaking, you need to be washed. Yeah? If you're going to have fellowship with others and God, you must wash. Yeah? We must be washed daily. And the way we do this is through the word of God. By reading his word. All them things in the world are out there. And as we go out through all our lives, we will pick up things. You know why we, one of the reasons why we worship and pray at church before we study God's word? It's a washing. It should be, you and God should spend some time together. I know there's songs going on, there's guitars and pianos playing, but a lot of people I see, and too, they'll come and they'll sit in that chair and they'll pray. And I, I see the people that do this, and I'm like, this is, you have, this is good. They come and they pray, and they try to get right with God before they fellowship with God, before they worship God, and see if there's anything there they need to get rid of and prepare their heart to come before God, to fellowship with God. Now, worship service can do that, but it, we need a washing. That's why we do that. If we're going to be fed by the word of God, we need to wash and examine ourselves first if there's anything that's going to hamper that communion between us and God. Um, we could get into a lot of that, but I was thinking, it's not in my notes, but I think, as I go out, and I'll give you an example. I'm trying to explain this, just I'll give you a simple example. If I go out and I drive my car, Driving get me in Myanmar. I get frustrated sometimes. I see these guys parked right in, it's painted right on the side of the road, no parking. I mean, they, they just repainted it all by the airport, so it's nice and bright even. Right? No parking. And they park, then they double park, and they triple park, and they do all these things, and they block 50 cars going back for, I don't know why, so they can get by my house so they can go to the liquor store. And I get frustrated, and I get angry. Right? And then I'm driving to church. Right? I'm coming here to worship. I'm coming here to preach. I have to come here an hour beforehand and pray and rid myself of that frustration, rid myself of that anger, lay that down before the cross and say, Lord, take this filth from me. Take this sin from me. Then I can have fellowship with the Lord. That's what we're talking about here. And I, you know, this is every one of us every single day. And we do this by watching the word, by prayer, by coming before the Lord. And then we can have fellowship with others, with God, with our families. We need, to, we need to have that washing. We are bathed. We are free. We are saved. But we need that washing because we pick up this garbage all around us, all in the world. I mean, we could all have our own stories, things that we pick up. Every day something happens to all of us. Maybe we're just around a bunch of negative things. I don't know. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things out there in the world that Satan is using to try to stick us with. So we need to wash that stuff off. Second part of this lesson I've seen is we are to serve each other just as Jesus shows us in the text today. Right? We've seen that. I want to turn to John. First John, sorry. <laughs> First John, chapter 2, verse 3. And we're going to read all the way through 6. First John, chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God but does not obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word will truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know we are living for him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. I know, I'm not telling you to go out and physically wash each other's feet. 
In this culture, it actually kind of works. But it's not about the actual foot washing. It's about serving each other. It's about lifting one each other up. It's about providing for the needs of others. It's, it's about coming around and surrounding your Christian brothers and sisters. We are surrounded with opportunities to serve, each one of us, right? And each one of us has different gifts in different ways. My question is to you, How? look back this week. How have you washed someone's feet this week? How have you served this week? We should be able to answer this. You should be able to give examples how you've served God's people this week. Do you know? I mean, we, we should. Maybe you know someone that has needed a call. Just, just a phone call. How are you doing? Maybe they need some prayer. You know, you can just serve someone that way. Just praying for someone. Right? Maybe they need a visit. Some people need a little encouragement. Maybe a word of encouragement. Maybe God will share a Bible verse with you to share with a person. I don't know, but there's lots of different ways to wash people's feet. It's not physically washing their feet, typically. But there's lots of ways. Maybe you have some physical, actual resources that would help someone else. I don't know. Maybe it's a ride. Like, I mean, I was so blessed by Ricardo. He's like, hey, can I give you a ride to the airport? That is, that is washing someone's feet. How can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I bless you? This is what we're talking about. It's... Where opportunities are presented to us every single day. We need to look for them and we need to answer yes to them. And maybe it's a simple, simple tasks for most of us. Maybe it's as simple as cleaning up the church. I'll even put that. Maybe it's being a greeter at the church. Maybe I watched someone empty that wash bucket like 20 times today as I was washing feet. I didn't ask her to do that. I mean, I'm not trying to give her that but she just went up and she started serving she saw a need she saw how she could serve god's people she just emptied the kept refilling the water i never asked her to do that i just i thought it was neat we can there's always something each of us can do to serve god's people maybe it's teaching in the nursery i mean the people here that have small children know what a blessing it is to be able to attend a service and not worry about your children and to know they're also being fed the word of god Maybe it's teaching ESL to someone, just spending an afternoon with a Myanmar person and helping them improve their English. I don't know. I don't know. But we must, must, must get out and serve God's people. What that, I don't know what that looks like for all of you. I've listed some examples. There's a thousand others we can look at. We must get out there. We must pray that God will show each one of us how we can wash the feet of others, symbolically speaking. Look at these passages we read today. You know Another point I want to make. Look at the passage we read today. You can turn back there. John chapter 13. We read Peter, right? We see Peter. He refused at first to let Jesus wash his feet. We saw that in the passages. He refused. Peter did this. Why did he do this? Why did he say, no, don't wash my feet? Because he didn't understand why Jesus would do such a thing. It's a servant's job. He didn't understand it. He's like, no. Why would you do this? Peter had a preconceived idea or notion of Jesus and how he should act or what he should do or how what, who he was. So Peter, as you look in the story, he needed an explanation. He was looking for an explanation of what Jesus was doing before allowing Jesus to wash his feet. Peter almost missed this blessing. He almost missed it simply because he didn't trust Jesus in what he was doing, because it was way outside the normal. It was weird to him. It's like, not washing my feet. Then Jesus explained it to him a little bit. He didn't quite get it, but then he said, yes. But just because he didn't understand, it's true so often in our lives, I saw this in this, that Jesus 
will work outside what we would consider the normal. Or what we would say makes no sense to us. I see a lot of ministries and I see a lot of things taking place. I'm like, I don't get it. But I can tell you what, I see God's hand in it. I don't agree with it even. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't agree. I don't know what's going on. But God is just blessing this. We've got to be open. Don't be like Peter and missing blessings because something's taking place that's outside of what you would expect or not being done in a way that, like the way that you think it should be done. If God's there, don't miss these opportunities. We must learn from this. We don't want to miss these blessings. We don't want to miss these opportunities to serve Jesus just because he's working in a way that we don't agree with or understand. Now, I see another important another important lesson from Peter. Now, Warren Worsby, you guys, I've quoted him a lot, and this is the way he quotes this. So take a look at this quote from Warren Worsby. Don't question the Lord's will or work, and don't try to change it. He knows what he's doing. I love that quote when I read that. One last point. Jesus is our example here, right? We see this through this entire story. Jesus is our example. His humility that we see here makes me question my own walk. Can I even, I mean, the humility Jesus took to go down and wash the people's feet makes me question my walk as a Christian. I mean, not my security and who I am in Jesus, but like, am I, am I following this example? I mean, I read it and then I did it, right? But I mean, wow, am I serving with humility as Jesus Christ did? I mean, what an example. Look at this story and just put yourself in the story. It's not about the feet washing. Would your reaction as Jesus did be in love, right? Would your reaction as Jesus did be in love, knowing the feet you were washing, that person would betray you? Knowing that person was going to deny you? Knowing all of them were going to abandon you? Would you still serve these people in love and wash their feet, knowing what Jesus knew? Imagine being in Jesus' position, washing these feet, looking upon their faces, knowing what each of them were going to do in the next 24 hours to him. And he served them in love. What a picture this just paints in my mind of how to serve with humility and how the example that Christ gives us, knowing that Jesus has washed my feet, knowing that Jesus washed my feet, knowing all the sins that I've committed against God, knowing my every single thought, and yet still washed my feet. I want to look at a verse to close. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Now, as you turn there, I know as we read this, um, Paul is speaking to a husband, but I believe this principle applies to all of us. So let's read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, Washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her, her to himself as a, as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. The washing of the word, the cleansing of God's word. This is what we need each and every day because we live in a fallen world. And we must be washed by the word of God each day. The title of this message, Valentine's Weekend, Will You Be Mine? Like, let's see the title slide. Aaron? There you go. Will You Be Mine? Valentine's Weekend, right? So what does that mean as we just read this about washing of the feet? Will you be mine? If we say we belong to Jesus, 
we will be washed by him, and we will wash others following Christ's example. So will you be mine? Please pray with me. So worship team would please head up. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to look at this passage, Lord, to learn a little bit about who we're supposed to be as Christians, to wash each other's feet, to see what that means, to lift each other up, Lord, to be washed with your word, Lord, to go out and serve your people, Lord, just to come alongside the work that you're already doing, Lord. I just thank you for this amazing, amazing opportunity, Lord. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that, Lord, we would see this example, we would follow this example, because if we truly belong to you, your word is very clear, Lord. If we truly belong to you, Lord, we will do this. We will wash others' feet, and we will be washed also by you. So, Lord, I praise you and I thank you for this opportunity, Lord. As we go out these doors, Lord, and we face this fallen world, Lord, let us always be reminded that we we pick up bad things as we go out there, Lord. As we, we're supposed to go out there, Lord. We're supposed to go out there and share with the people, Lord. Share the good news. Share the gospel. But as we go out there and we trudge through this filth that's out there sometimes, we pick up some things that we shouldn't pick up, but we do. We all do. But you've given us that cleansing, Lord, through your word of God, Lord, that we can be washed by your word. So, Lord, we thank you. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that opportunity to be cleaned, Lord, just to wash it in over our feet. So, Lord, I praise you and I thank you, Lord. And just please, Lord, just be with us this week. Protect us, Lord, and just show us, Lord, how we can wash each other's feet out there in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.